0: Welcome to the Crushing Cash Flow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another episode of Crushing Cashflow. I've got my good buddy, Flint Jameson with me today. How are you doing, Flint?
1: I'm doing good, how are you?
0: Doing great, doing great. So I'll tee up your background for everyone. So Flint spent 20 years in aerospace as an engineer and program manager. So he's working the full-time W2. He's now finding a path to early retirement through commercial real estate investing. He started this endeavor in real estate with a duplex. There's two units that he rehabbed back in 2018. From there, it escalated pretty quickly. They pivoted into multifamily, large syndication, large apartment buildings where there's greater stability and returns. Flint's a limited partner on three properties and is finishing up his first capital raise on his first deal as a general partner. So that's fantastic. Congrats on that, Flint. Thanks. His portfolio is currently around 700 units, so fairly sizable portfolio. Flint, thanks so much for joining. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. So let's talk about you know balancing you know, being an engineer and program manager with investing. Is that something you see yourself doing long term in parallel, or are you looking to try to really accelerate that retirement path?
1: No, I definitely want to accelerate that retirement path. As most people who get into this, they get tired of the nine to five or the rat race, as we call it. Yeah, I want to take control of my own time back. So the whole path is a bit serendipitous. It's not like I know when I'm going to be able to exit because a whole lot of things have to fall in place. I have to start getting apartment buildings to get that active income from the apartment buildings, the passive income built. So I'm not really sure what it is, but I think the path is only a year or two away.
0: That's great. So what are the big, obviously finding deals, but what are the big steps you're taking now to really accelerate that? That's the 18, 24 month journey.
1: Yeah. So I networked heavily over the last year and that worked out really well in my favor. I was able to get in as a co-sponsor, do a capital raise with, actually we're closing today on a hundred unit in Augusta. Oh, wow. So I networked with those guys for almost nine months and they invited me in. I said, look, I think I can raise this amount of money I'd really love to jump in. They invited me on board. So it's been great. I'm kind of riding the coattails of a very experienced group, which instills confidence in my investors.
0: How did you, I love asking this question. How did you first meet that group? It's funny. I talked
1: with, it must have been this time, February of 2021. I don't remember how I got on the phone with him. I honestly don't. The one <laughs> thing I do remember is it was late at night. It was probably like 9.30, 10 o'clock my time. Wow. Got on the phone with him and we geeked out. We jammed out about apartment investing for almost an hour, hour and a half. He gave me a lot of his time. Mm. And then I ran into him at a conference and basically networked with the more established you know, my abilities and what I could do. And then they finally invited me in.
0: That's great. So I know you focus on capital raising. And a little side note too, that Flint and I actually met through a program that we're both part of. Yeah, you it's know, specifically focused on you know investor relations and capital raising. So I know you're doing that. Is that your sole focus for your main value add? I'll say to the teams today.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's rewind the story a little bit. Back in June. Actually, the beginning of last year, beginning of 2021, I partnered with another group of people. We were all new to syndications. We found a 23 unit here in Denver where I live. It was a very heavy lift property. The numbers looked good, but we struggled to finish. There's a lot of failures in this scenario that I ended up leaning on and learning from. But one of the biggest things there was we could not finish the capital raise, so the biggest thing to learn here is you have to find investors before you find a deal. It's really challenging when you first get into this, but that in of itself was probably our biggest failure. We had to back out of the deal. We did lose money ourselves as general partners from the due diligence and earnest money. But from there, I realized I needed to double down on my capital raise. I felt like I was confident with the due diligence, underwriting, inspection, all of that, But we didn't have what we needed. So yeah, the real estate accelerator program that we're in has helped me in dividends to actually do a capital raise with another group.
0: And it's great that you learned that lesson on a relatively smaller property. Like we were just, we put an offer in on a 180 unit not too long ago, where the earnest money was a half million dollars. So I'm assuming, obviously you want to learn on the smaller properties, limit your losses, but that's a yes. huge lesson to learn, right?
1: It was. I mean, that earnest money was $28,000
0: and it went hard and we lost it. Yep. I don't know. When I started learning about this, you often hear like, oh, find the deal. The money will come, right? The deal is good enough. You'll find money. I have not found that to be the case. You obviously would agree with that, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that you build it, they will come, you know, that works for field of dreams, but not in yes. our world.
0: <laughs> no, I fully agree. So what are you looking for when you're betting operators, and you're trying to partner with new individuals? What are you looking for in a partnership? Is it just complementary skills? Or what's the angle there?
1: Yeah. Complementary skills. One of the things I don't like doing is deal finding. Now I may become a deal finder. I actually, getting into this, I'm an introverted engineer. Now I'm turned program manager. So I'm used to getting in front of people and talking quite a bit, but inside I'm an introvert. Being a capital raiser is not an introverted thing. You have to do a lot of talking. I did not see myself being the capital raiser either. I thought I was going to be the boots on the ground guy, the guy doing the due diligence inspections. That's the stuff I just inherently feel like I understand really well. And here I am capital raising. And to be honest, I like it. Yeah, It's a lot of fun. I enjoy educating people about what we do.
0: Absolutely. And I think you you and I are both technical background professionals, right? Like, you know, I'm in technology with an engineering background, you're in engineering. So I think we naturally gravitate towards things that we are black and white, right? Like we understand the numbers behind things, or like you said, due diligence, we could put together a CapEx plan, lay it out what that looks like. But I don't know about you, but I'd love to get your perspective here. Working the full-time job and trying to ramp up this business, you know, if you're trying to do asset management, for example, traveling to sites regularly is very hard to do, right? So I find that, you know, being the capital raiser, again, number one, it's enjoyable, but also that's a good role to play to balance working that job. You don't need to go on site all the time or maybe in the beginning of the project just to get eyes on it. But I find that role works well with having this profession and a demanding W-2. How about you?
1: Yeah, everything you said is totally accurate. I was actually the only boots on the ground for that Aurora property Mm -hmm. when we spent our, you know, 45 days, 60 days trying to do the inspections. And it took a lot of time away from my day job. So I ended up having to balance my day job at night while I was doing due diligence in the day. Yeah. So capital raising is, yeah, you're free to work when you can. You're absolutely right. Even though I really love being on the ground, right now it's the best. Way to get into it, I think. Yeah. Because we're looking at a property in Waco right now, and I'm thinking that the other people have to go there, and I just have to focus on being behind the screen.
0: Yeah. I guess the good news is, you know, especially these larger syndicators who are doing this actively full time, they're finding deals full time. There's always a shortage of money. So there's always a need and demand for investor capital, right? Everybody has different professional networks. So we all bring something to the table there that I think is unique.
1: Yeah. And the fun part about, As you said, the capital raising, I could partner with three or four groups, multiple operators and raise for all of them throughout the year. And I don't necessarily need to worry specifically about
0: chasing given deals. I don't know about you, but I like to, you know, it's great to try out different relationships to see how they work. But I mean, I think it'd be great to find one or two groups you work with long-term? Rather, it's very exhausting to start over with a new group, you know, see alignment of values, to see how they work. And you know, there's certain principles behind their underwriting that you may or may not align with. So are you looking for that you know, work with one to two groups long-term or what's your focus and strategy there?
1: Right now, I'm a little bit open. I've got this one group that I have total faith in. They have been absolutely killing it over the last four years. So I'm actually learning more from them than what standards I had originally put in place for myself. And they were more conservative in certain aspects that I had never thought about before. So you're absolutely right. As I go look for other groups to join with, I might be on a different standard based on what I've just learned from this current group I'm working with.
0: I've absolutely found that to be the case. So that's great. So thanks for sharing your tips on kind of how you're working through. There's a lot of people listening that might be thinking just about just you know, being in your shoes in six months, or they hope to be in your shoes and they're thinking about, what should I be thinking? about? What do I not know about working with partners? And I think that's really powerful. So let's talk about you know balancing again. Like a lot of people are working. Most people don't want to exit their W-2 until they have a proven path to freedom, or they've got some a significant amount of passive income to offset that. How are you managing day to day, week to week, yeah, you know, with your wife, working the job? Are you utilizing any concepts or are you just, is it kind of just organized chaos <laughs>
1: at the moment it's largely organized chaos. The only thing that's consistent is after the kids go to bed at eight o'clock at night, yeah, I start working and I try to get to bed by ten and it normally be it's around eleven. I get up early every morning, I try to set my alarm for five thirty. I'm attempting to do the miracle morning for those out there who know it. I have successful at that at the moment, but the weekends, my wife is very supportive. She'll take the kids to a museum or something and give me several hours, but I do try to be there when the kids are around, right? Family first. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of grit. You may not get a lot of sleep when you're jumping into something different with your day job. You can get away from work during lunch and handle meetings. I actually had to do that yesterday. Mm -hmm. So the other thing here that you mentioned is kind of when's the exit from the W2? And I've been asking this question a lot to people. I know several people that have just exited their W2 or retired from their W2 in the last year. Mm -hmm. And everybody has a different exit strategy. I guess it depends on if your spouse works. Right. If you are the sole income provider, very your, your true. Works are going to be much different. Just to put this out there food for thought for other people. My wife works and she makes good money as well. So I was thinking if I can get to maybe 50 to 75% on the passive plus active side on syndications it's probably a safe point for me to jump because if I can focus on this full-time, I think it ends up being a little bit exponential because I can put that much more effort into it and I can recover
0: that lost income from my W-2 much quicker. I love the fact that it was a great tip, but we'll just call that out here that you need to know what your flexibility number is. And your, Everybody's situation is different. You mentioned spouse income, no spouse income, but I love that you say, hey, 75% is my target yeah you know, especially you consider the tax advantages of passive income versus you know your w two you get crushed with federal income tax, and all that stuff. it's great to have that number in mind, right
1: yeah, you hit it right there. You really need to take the tax implications once you get out because you get a huge advantage, and that number is kind of changes your income value changes because now you have a benefit.
0: Absolutely. And think about it, especially if you have a working spouse, my number is more like 50% because when you layer in both incomes, it pushes you into a tax bracket that's just borderline bonkers. You can't overlook that advantage, right? You don't need to match dollar for dollar. And the more you have combined income and you're up in those brackets, man, you really need a lot less than you think you do to live the same lifestyle.
1: Yeah. And especially this year. So if we can talk about dive in deep here on the taxes. So yeah. I've invested passively in one that's closing soon and I'm actively invested into this one that's closing today. Both of these will be a hundred percent depreciated this year through cost segregation. And I'm expecting to pay very little to no taxes this so great. tax year for 2022. So yeah, it definitely goes into my income calculation of what I need to make.
0: You can't overemphasize that benefit enough. It didn't sink in or register for me for a while. And start, I filed my 2020 tax at the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Like I complain about it every year. But if you're listening and you're looking for a way to pay less taxes or to earn more money and pay less taxes, I don't know a better way than to invest passively, actively, whatever you're doing. It just, there is a better way. Just know that, yes. know that out there. So I love to talk about, you know, you talked about working late nights. I know, I'm sure that you struggle with the same things I did. There's certain times you're like, I do not feel like taking this call at 9, at 9 p.m. or partner or having that networking call. What gets you through those tough days? Everybody's got a different answer. I'd love to hear yours.
1: That is a great question. Really, it's funny. I get energized when I talk to investors. That's the exciting part. What's not exciting is me pumping myself on social media. I'm not good at it. Yeah. I've spent an inordinate amount of time on LinkedIn trying to figure out the algorithm and how to post every day, right? There's a consistency yeah. thing that the algorithm likes to see. That is the most painful part for me. I don't enjoy the social media part. And to be honest i have to get through it because the only way for me to find new potential investors is to do that dirty work and the only way for me to get out of my w2 is for me to do that dirty work yeah so that's really it i have to push myself through all of those pains because i know as soon as i break free and retire early from my w2 life is going to be much grander now let me add this <laughs> so Breaking news, I just hired a virtual assistant in the Philippines to help me. I don't know how well it's going to work. I'm actually quite excited about it because I thought me hiring someone that's on the other side of the world to help pump my social media was going to cause more work for me because I had to delegate work. I have to feed them content. I found this person who has a team of people under her as well. But she turned around and she's managing me. It was the biggest relief and surprise. She opened up Trello. She opened up this project management tool that you can use for free. She's legitimately giving me tasks to fill out. Hey, Flint, give me this. You need to approve that. And she's going to give me a month's worth of social media posts across a whole bunch of platforms. I've only been focusing on LinkedIn. She's going to pump Facebook, Instagram, possibly TikTok and see what works.
0: We should compare notes on that perhaps after the show, or maybe we'll do a follow-up on just the use of VAs. Because I struggle with the same thing. I don't mind doing the posts and writing the content. Let's be honest. Actually, I do mind. And I'd love to free myself of that. But I'm also testing the waters with what works with VAs and what doesn't. So we should sync up on that. But yeah, pro tip for those listening that there is a path out of that it just may take some time to get it dialed in, but definitely look into the VAs. Definitely look into a, you know, a marketing firm if you're willing to pony up the time and resources behind that. There is an option. That's a great tip. Thanks for sharing that. As we kind of get close to wrapping up, I'd love to talk about education a bit. How do you like to learn? Is it through books? Is it coursework? What's your tips for education and keep that piece rolling?
1: Yeah. What I recommend most, basically, because I've done it all. I started out with podcasts. It was Michael Blanc podcasts. That's where I actually discovered syndications. And I digested podcasts for almost a year. It took me a long time to actually jump in. And I'm kicking myself for not taking action much sooner. From there, I bought into a course. It wasn't like the $30,000 mentorship course. You can get one for a couple of thousand dollars, see the videos. It was Michael Blanc's. And it taught the whole thing. And oddly enough, the first thing he talks about is Getting investors and raising capital, which I passed over and was like, all right, how do I do a deal? But books, absolutely. There's a whole bunch of books out there. And it doesn't have to be just how to do syndications. I've absolutely read those. But there's other things like The Go Giver by Bob Berg, who's it's just changes your mentality on for those of us tech guys who have no idea how to do sales and yeah. when we look for investors, we are absolutely doing sales as much as we want to deny that we are doing sales. But something like the Go-Giver, it just gives you this philosophy of you don't have to be salesy. All you need to do is bring value to people. The more value you bring to people, the more value that flows towards you.
0: Yeah. So, so. powerful. Remind me again, Go-Giver, that's a book. That yeah, you can find on Amazon. Awesome. It's a great tip. So, Clint, lots of great tips in this episode from capital raising to lessons learned in that 23 unit, right? Yep. And everything in between to partnerships For those listening that want to learn more or get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so?
1: Yeah, it's easiest to go to vestuscapital.com. That's V-E-S-T-U-S capital.com. And I also have a free report on there about the benefits and simplicity of investing in multifamily.
0: Free education. Check it out for sure. There it is. Thanks so much for joining, Flint. It was a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cash Flow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey. And we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.